0: that dialectic between it's all good and we can use a little work it feels like it's between those two banks that that's the path to hyper accelerated growth
1: this episode is brought to you by my friends at ample meal ample is a new entrant into meal replacement market. So essentially, it's a healthy meal in a bottle. What I love about Ample is this is so much more than just a protein shake. It is a complete meal, including fiber, healthy fats, protein and carbohydrates, all in a very convenient plastic bottle that you just shake it up, add water, shake it up, and then you drink it. And not only do you get hydrated, but you actually get a really well-crafted 400 or 600-calorie meal for busy professionals and athletes and warriors on the go. This thing is fantastic. I believe it's going to replace the MRE for the military because it's healthy. It's actually made out of very, very healthy non-GMO, nothing artificial. You know, the fats are from like macadamia nuts and, you know, all sorts of good stuff in this thing. So, Terrific, terrific uh, new option for those of us who train hard and are busy professionals and sometimes just literally have to grab something and go. So, at least we're going to get a complete meal now with Ample Meal. And listeners can use the code Unbeatable if you go to amplemeal.com. And for any order over 50 bucks, you're going to get two bonus meals with your order. So, go to amplemeal.com, use the code Unbeatable for the special two bonus meals. And trust me, I use this. Every day now, it's, it's become my go-to and I love it. So Ample Meals, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you, Connor, uh, for creating this cool new food source. hoo out here. Hey folks, welcome back. This is Commander Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Do not take it for granted. Uh, really appreciate your time and attention in this distracted world as we develop our skills To tap into an unbeatable mind. And I'm super stoked to have Jamie Wheel again uh, on this show. I mean, actually, I was pretty certain, Jamie, that we had done a show before and we couldn't find it. So maybe I was just imagining that.
0: (laughs) No, we, you know what it was? We had an extended, probably hour-long conversation that could have been recorded, and I just don't think we did. That's right.
1: <laughs> it was so long and so engaging, I could have sworn that we had done a done a podcast. So Jamie, along with his co-author Stephen Kotler, are the authors of the upcoming book, Stealing Fire, which is all about a subject that's near and dear to our heart, which is uh, the flow state. How do you access flow state? What's it all about? And how is it used in uh, performance and in special ops? And I mean, it's going to be so cool to talk to Jamie about this new book and his research. And uh, because you guys know, that's something that we are very, very tuned into with Unbeable Mind. So let me give you a little uh, formal background on Jamie. So Jamie, uh, you're an expert in peak performance and leadership. I imagine you've trained a lot of uh, people and and talked to a lot of people in those arenas. Uh, You specialize in neuroscience and this application of flow. You've advised folks from the U.S. Navy and Special Ops Command, Red Bull. I think I know some of the folks you work with over there. Uh, some uh-huh. of the major league sports teams like NFL, NBA, etc., cetera. And um, also big corporate executive teams like Google and YPO and Deloitte, You know, some of the same people that I'm starting to talk to. I think we have a ton of intersection, a ton of really cool things um, that are going on in this arena. So, Jamie, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show. Absolutely. Marcus, I mean, it's truly an honor to be here. Yeah. yeah. So I've known you now for a couple of years. And um, last time we talked, you had recently launched the Flow Genome Project. Is that mm-hmm. right? You still is that still kind of the umbrella for your work with uh, with Stephen uh, around Flow or is that? Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: No, that 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 is uh, that is the sort of big house under in, in which all these things live. And, and really, the reason it has that name is literally how can we map and measure the genome or the building blocks of peak performance states. And then how do we reverse engineer them? So instead of them being kind of magical and mystical, um, how do we understand their mechanisms? And then how do we train into those mechanisms? And so that we can have more access to them for greater impact and greater consistency in our life and work.
1: Okay. So let's just, just, you know, really, really start out with some fundamental basics and maybe some definitions for the listeners. Uh, What would you say that flow is? Like, how would you define that?
0: Sure. Well, our kind of standard working definition is it's a non-ordinary state of consciousness, meaning it's different than regular waking state. And it's a state in which, Um, You tend to have heightened focus, pattern recognition, reaction time, and and a host of other performance benefits. So you're kind of kicking ass and taking names. And it also tends to feel uh, deeply rewarding, not necessarily in the moments you're in it. In the moments you're in it, you might not notice feelings or sensations at all it can be literally a moment of no, of selflessness um, but afterwards you can look back and they're sort of the they're almost like the sort of the beacons by which we kind of build a life mm-hmm. and so that that's the sort of you know personal almost psychological definition mm-hmm. the more slightly more technical is um, and, and certainly the point of Stealing Fire was we you know flows flows what we look into um, we, we uh, we've been you know studying it for over a decade but what we realized was There are a lot of additional states, a lot of additional non ordinary states that people are starting to cultivate with increasing frequency and precision these days. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, okay, we were kind of, we were stuck with two choices. We like either we kind of stretch the definition of flow almost to the breaking point and to where none of the academic researchers who coined the terms and, you know, work in this field, would recognize it or acknowledge it, or we have to create a bigger category uh, to include all these other states that people are starting to, starting to tinker with these days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and as, as I'm sure, you know, I mean, there's, it's hard To use language that's already been used, that has a whole lot of baggage, cultural assumptions, et cetera. So we kind of walked it all the way back and we took it all the way back to the ancient Greeks and we said, well, their original definition, Plato, as a matter of fact, he coined the term ecstasis Mm -hmm. and it's the the antecedent of ecstasy that we, you know, that's in our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, But it literally means ecstasis is to move beyond oneself. Mm-hmm. yeah right we thought, okay, no, now that's a functioning definition that's an interesting thing and isn't it strange that we are at our best and we feel our best when there's no we there anymore uh-huh. yeah and so that and so that's kind of that's kind of the uh the bigger umbrella and that that includes meditation and mystical states smart tech and biohacking enabled states yogic and sexually prompted states psychedelic states and flow states And so it's just it's a bigger tent, Um, but the neurobiological mechanisms are all remarkably similar.
1: Right. But you're particularly interested in flow as it pertains to performance. Mm -hmm. Am I right? So because, you know, so that kind of assumes that we're talking about uh, the flow state being a waking state, not like Mm -hmm. because an altered state would be dream, dreaming state. And you can experience flow or, or horror in a dream state. Or let's say a drug-induced state, you're not going to necessarily uh, perform at your peak in a drug-induced altered state, even though you might be experiencing ecstasy. Uh huh. Interesting, right? And so, just to yeah. even narrow the def- definition a little, little further, it's a it's an altered state that that leads to co- cognized peak performance. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that's a great both di- uh, sort of uh, distinction and clarification. Yeah. Is that as much as any? Because people will often say, "Well, hey, how does this compare to meditation?" And it is, you know, the, the super quick answer is it's it's meditation in action or meditation in motion. Correct. Um, so it requires real time decision making right. <laughs> versus and versus removing myself. From all decisions and choices right, right. Um, and and that's that's pretend that's a huge part of what makes it really powerful yeah. um but then also mark and i and i know we we share this uh background in you know adult developmental theory integral theory hmm. some of those kind of elements and as much as anything else um the other half other than real-time performance boost is for me and i'm you know you you've come at it through the you know, massively, uh, sort of the dedicated military traditions embrace the suck, do the hard thing, right? And, and, and you, you help so many people access that in themselves. Um, which we, you know, which again, I mean, the last chapter of our book is about the Stoics, <laughs> you know, yeah, and how nice. the pursuit of all this easy stuff is actually not easy, and you really have to lean in. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is the the self-propelling nature of these these experiences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the technical term is autotelic; it just means we do it for its own reward. Mm-hmm. And my hope was is that if we can help people gain more access to the things that make them come alive, the yeah. things that they can effortlessly, endlessly do and pursue, that we might be able to help people in their path of adult development we might people we, we might help people in their cultivation of altered states be able to develop some altered mm-hmm. traits as well
1: yeah. yeah i love that um and you, you know i'm a big fan of wilbur's and and i'm my net, my current book i'm actually picking up on this theme of you know waking up and growing up so that we can show up and in a way what we're saying is you know a peak state especially if it's your first one let's say as an athlete mm-hmm. or, or a human being, even. Where it's a deeply ecstatic, um, out-of-body, um, very connected and intimate experience where everything does mm-hmm. feel effortless and you know time kind of slows down. this can be a radical awakening to the notion that there's more than what's going on in my life and my story and my you know, day-to-day, <laughs> mundane existence, right? And that radical awakening tends to propel you toward wanting more, right? Yeah. It becomes a self fulfilling uh, growth mechanism, and so it, it, it kind of kicks you off on a growth curve. So the wake up is naturally followed by a grow up. This is where we step in, and on Mind is how do we go? How do we grow up? Right. Well, yeah. as you're aware, and you, you alluded to, the Stoics said, "Well, hard work," and then, <laughs> that's great. So how do? You, but how do you do the hard work? You know. Yeah. And so that's where the seals and the uh, advanced, you know, the the, the traditional. Um, Ancient yoga, warrior yoga, as well as the martial arts come in, and they step in and say, okay, here's a here's a developmental path. Yep. And it takes many, many years, but it's a developmental path that, that leads to integration. And integration is essentially a permanent state of flow. And it's very difficult to access, but it can be trained for. And I think that's where you and I have so much uh, interesting things to overlap and to talk about, is I have this strong belief that flow can both be a state and a stage, of yes. development, right, and that yes. it's, it's what we experience when we tap into the whole mind and the whole life experience, and then you can you can turn it on and off at will. You can turn the different experiences on and off at will, depending upon where, what you're trying to achieve and what your goals are in the outer world. So, anyways, I went off on this bit, a little bit of a dialogue there, but I just thought it would be important to kind of frame it in this, in the sense that. You referenced the Navy SEALs and some of the work that the SEALs have done in, mm-hmm. in using the tools to trigger flow states. And um, I've, I've kind of picked up on that theme, not necessarily with the hope of just triggering a flow state, but de- developing people to that highest stage of integration. And I think that um, I'd love this book to... Um, to provide some um, maybe additional resources, I don't really have a ton of connection with some of the technical or the, let's say um, you you talk about uh, neurofeedback and neurobiology uh-huh. and uh, float tanks, as well as, you know, ayahuasca uh-huh. and, and mushrooms. You know what I mean? How do all those, yeah. you know, Let's let's go through kind of the, the different things that can, um, that people are tapping into to try to trigger growth and flow.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, and my, my, you know, my running monologue right now was, uh, how do we not be in such violent agreement that we have a thoroughly dull conversation for your listeners? <laughs> it's just hell yes, hell yes, hell yes. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. So, so. Um, there's a couple of things. I mean, one, uh, there are 15,000 words of endnotes in this book, um, and which represents over a decade of solid research. And we've tried our level damnedest to keep it to blue chip research. Um, Ivy League Stanford Oxford Cambridge kind of research on the academic side uh, journals of record on the periodical side and really try and keep this as um, yeah as high grade credible as possible for people right. precisely because this content has been so trampled and so muddied right. so on the notion you, you know you were just mentioning that wide range of ways that people are, are trying to get in mm. to these states of these non-ordering states of what we've been terming ecstasis and you know it really, the two kind of almost uh, sort of like, you know, Scooby-Doo kind of clues for us, you know, that, that really were like, we were like, wait a second, what is going on here? And is there a there there? Is there something for us to investigate? Were, was our visit to Deb and Virginia Beach followed really shortly, probably three, four months later by a visit to the Googleplex. Mm-hmm. And the first was, you know, we were getting to we had we had been invited by the commander of the teams to to come and see if we could offer any. Uh, insights and we're like what the hell what on earth will we have to teach these guys but we'll do our level best mm-hmm. and so we showed up there and we were toured around the mind gym facility mm-hmm. so it was all you know the most interesting biotech um, a lot of a lot of tools we'd seen a lot kind of academic and research grade heart rate variability and mm-hmm. eeg monitors and you know things from nike and things from other stuff that brands of people are familiar with and it was just all ways to help those guys Recover from deployment, mm-hmm. you know. Enhance learning, um, increase cognition. Do all the things we're talking about, like train their inner game. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was you literally. I mean, it was it was a moment I'll never forget. It's an, it was an L-shaped facility, and there was a, you know we we walked the whole big side of the L, and we turned the corner for the, to, to the short side, and I see these four sort of space pods sitting there in a row. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, what are those? You know, it looked like something from you know Mork and Mindy. And I was like, what are those? And I was like, "Are they th- are they what I think they are?" And and we walked over, and sure enough, he popped the lid, and they were s- Samadhi float tanks, mm-hmm. and which if, if folks aren't familiar, and they've, they've kind of made a huge resurgence lately. But sensory deprivation tanks, mm-hmm. you know, you can find them in most major cities these days. They're filled with buoyant Epsom salts, and you can float suspended mm-hmm. in complete blackness and no other sensory input. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they were designed in the 1960s by Dr. John Lilly, and one, and he initially did his research just to figure out he was interested in consciousness and he was interested in all these things. He said, let me create this thing that shuts off all visual stimuli and let's see what that does to our consciousness Mm. and then he began combining it with lsd this was all nih-backed you know Mm. federally approved studies and then that avenue became shut down he then moved into ketamine which is just a dissociative anesthetic it's used with you know pregnant women and children and those kind of things and he and so it sort of went it went increasingly off the deep end and into into the counterculture you know and i mean you know to the point where he had called up president ford you know telling him that there was going to be a machine like matrix like takeover of the nuclear codes you know like way in the hell off the deep end so it became really just the domain of kind of hippies and misfits you might be right (laughs) by the way (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs)
0: yeah you you just never know and and um and so we thought wow isn't this fascinating that in the sort of red hot center of the military industrial complex you have a tool that was sort of a forgotten tool that was the domain of, of, of hippies and freaks in the counterculture being brought back around and as it happened, colleagues of ours had also been hot wiring the tanks. It wasn't just the same old, same old. They had added audio and visual inputs. They had added heart rate variability and EEG feedback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as an example of what that can do. So you create a, you know, a basically a technically induced state of ecstasis, of selflessness. I'm in the pitch black. I'm floating in sort of womb like 97 degree or, or 100 degree water. And my heart rate. Is becoming entrained. Mm-hmm. My brain waves are being dropped mm-hmm. and optimized from like agitated beta mm-hmm. into maybe alpha and theta. You know, I'm getting nice coherent cardiac rhythms. And then, oh, by the way, you're also getting, you know, Rosetta Stone mm-hmm. books on tape right. and learning a foreign language. And they were able to reduce langu- foreign language acquisition from six months to six weeks. So a quarter of the time mm-hmm. just by creating these designed and deliberate. States of selflessness. Right. So that, that was step one. And we thought, wow, isn't that strange? Those are some strange ass bedfellows. What's going Mm -hmm. on?
1: Yeah, no kidding. You know, let let me stay, let's stay with DevGrew. And if you don't know, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not sure what that term means. That's uh, the SEAL team's tier one force, uh, tier one counterterrorist force. So they, they have something called the Mind Gym. I I wanted to tell you that I just um, I had breakfast and a workout with a SEAL team commander who's taken over a phase at Buzz, and he just left Dev Group. And we were talking about the Mind Gym, and he said, it's it's wickedly cool. He said, the unfortunate part is the guys are so freaking busy with yes. their train-ups and their deployments. that He said, very few people use it. Very few of the operators use it, unfortunately. And it kind mm-hmm. of brings up a, a question for you, and I, I think we know the answer here, but um, – you know, this stuff is – the tools are only as good as your use of the tools. And, you know, if only the most elite athletes who are in a, in a stable training program like NFL or maybe Olympians where you're, you're not always gone like a special operator or like a corporate executive. I mean you just don't have access to these things in the frequency that you need them for them to have that impact. So, you know, for me, that I always then say, okay, we've got to fall back on the old tried and true, you know, breath control and meditation and the things that have been used for thousands of years that wherever you go, there they are, right? Yes. You yes, know? exactly. Until I mean, you have, we have a virtual reality headset that you can carry with you everywhere to, to help you trigger these states. Right now, it's like, you know, the tools are still pretty basic, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and, and, and funnily enough, I mean, I mean, yes to both those things, right? I mean, we have some colleagues, uh, some, some folks coming out of MIT Media Labs that are now teaching at Stanford that are basically, what are they calling it? Well, Enlightenment engineering is what they're calling it. So they, they, there's a group, uh, Palo Alto Neuroscience, um, up north in the valley, and those guys have created this intersection, and, and it's Dr. Jeffrey Martin- Um, and Mikey Siegel are two of the guys that are pioneering this as well. And these guys are doing some incredibly Mm. sophisticated stuff. They're not just taking static um, biometrics, Mm. meaning, oh, I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and here's my brainwave, or here's my heart rate, or here's my skin response, you know, how sweaty am I, or that kind of thing. They're actually creating feedback loops to steer people into desired states on demand. So on the one hand, the high tech era and and inter and basically inserting that into VR mm-hmm. uh, experiences is here. Right. It's already happening. Exactly. It's my it's in the consciousness hacker space. So there's not necessarily high form factor production value stuff mm-hmm. out yet, but next six to eighteen months there will be.
1: Yeah. This podcast episode is brought to you by Organifi. Now we all know that green juice is good for us, but juicing is a pain. It costs a fortune. And it's super time-consuming. At least that's my story. Uh, I don't juice. So that's why I opt for Organifi Green Juice as an alternative because it's super easy, super tasty. It's an organic superfood, green juice powder. Just add it to your water and stir it up. It dissolves almost immediately. Drink it, and it will help sustain your energy throughout the day. It'll reduce stress over time. And best part is it really tastes good. So check it out. To get your micronutrients from a superfood green juice, use Organifi. I think this stuff is great. Go to Organifi.com, and these guys are super generous. I know the founder, and they have offered a 20% discount to you on your order. So go to Organifi.com, use the code UNBEATABLE at checkout, and get 20% off your order. And uh, that link is also listed below in the show notes to this episode. Organifi.com. Hooyah.
0: But to your point, we agree wholeheartedly. It's like, look what's what's your what's your jail cell workout? You know what can you do in a, in a six by eight patch of carpet or ground wherever you are? Breath is the cheapest, most potent, and portable tool mm-hmm. for shifting consciousness we'll ever have. Mm-hmm. You know, and how do yeah. we how do so we strip it down to mean, that stuff? Even so if everyone...
1: we had the matrix to jack into, or you know, or the holodeck to go train mm-hmm. in, right? Even that, if we had the the fundamental tools of how you use your body and how you organize your mind with you know and your breath and and tap into those things, those are still important. You have to learn those. What we're saying is technology can enable and accessing that if you don't have the tools. So like sitting in a float tank, yeah. listening to calm music with a brainwave entrainment is going to take you there very quickly without you knowing how to do it yourself. Having yeah. said that, you can learn how to do that yourself fairly easily. And so one of the questions I have for you is, is it possible that reliance on all these external devices, whether, whether it be a, a mushroom or a microdose of a mushroom or a, a float tank or, you know, some sort of like device like Muse, mm-hmm. is that preventing us from actually training ourselves how to do this so that we don't need those devices? Cause they're not always going to have them.
0: <laughs> well, once again, once again, preaching to the choir. I mean, I think we may be of a certain generation that 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 hangs on to those old those old <laughs> no, school right? notions. Not I mean, let those right? go. We want. Them. <laughs> we them. I mean, you know, I, I was we doing. We can't I was hack doing, our way
1: to enlightenment. I don't think, honestly. Exactly.
0: I mean, I mean, I turned my nose up the last uh, ski mountain last ski guide training I did with the AMGA, the American Mountain Guides Association, which is a pretty balls out organization in that space. And it was there was a bunch of millennial hot shit, you know, ice climber guides, and they all just had GPSs. None of them knew how to read a topo map. None of them knew how to shoot a bearing on a compass. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's you amazing. know, and they, they couldn't dig snow caves. They just popped up their ultralight carbon fiber tents and called it a night, you know, and I was like, you guys, you were, you you haven't earned these yeah. tents. Well, they're so, going to have so,
1: to experience a little hardship before they learn that lesson, I guess.
0: Well, exactly. Like, what happens when lower sats go down, and then you're like, we're all lost. We haven't been paying attention. So so I, I would agree with you, but I, I think there is a potential both in. So, you know, I remember when I was, gosh, what, in elementary or middle school you know being taken to one of those big rand com- you know computer company organizations we were shown the punch cards and you know like like this is how you code stuff and you realize okay so that was a total ball ache back in the day and you had to know it every soup to nuts um the entire process right. and there was a lot of just brute forcing stuff to get to the payoff right. um and these days you can drag and drop and you can do all the things that kids do programming far more complex stuff on top of right. a layer of software so yeah. all of this smart tech um, i think in its best expression in its best expression, it's training wheels. In its right. best expression, it gives us somatic markers. It gives us a lived, felt experience of right. that thing we've been trying to shoot for right. that we can hopefully then bring into ourselves and fully own the entire experience. At its worst, there are crutches and divisions and distractions, and all we've done is kind of level – you know, like Jim Collins used to say, technology is just an amplifier, right. and all we've done is level up to create a new set of more complex problems. I just saw a study last week that was saying people are getting – you know, there's been a lot of talk about like when you got into VR, people get motion sickness. Mm-hmm. But now that now that there's enough people using it, they're actually saying the opposite's also happening. Is when you get used to that, it's like coming off getting onto a pier with your sea legs, and you're, you know. And so when people are taking off VR, <laughs> they,
1: can't, they can't stand up.
0: <laughs> they, they're, fe- they're they're feeling not just you know e- their their equilibrium is off, but it, they've they've done some scans and they're realizing it's starting to affect cerebellar processing. So it's actually starting to affect brain activity. And the classic you know matrix idea the world is flat and dull. And there's a degree of depression or hang of. Of course, life. it makes total sense. Yeah. Like if my life is it's, finding, it's, you, it's, know, it's, 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 you
1: know, it's, it's greatly or dramatically expanding that same effect that, you, you know, people are feeling with addiction to Twitter or to YouTube, right? Because, you know, if, if you're always on the device, you know, it's just a less immersive experience. And so if you make that experience more immersive and your brain gets in tune with it, that intense activity and the vibrancy and everything like that. And then you go back to reality and all of a sudden reality seems less real than the virtual reality. That scares me a little bit, Jamie, that, that, scares me, you know, just in terms of what it means to be human, you know, down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah there's, so know, there's, not, I- there's some dangers to this stuff. And, and, um, I had another thing and I, and I, because I got so intrigued with what you were saying, it kind of bounced out of my head.
0: Well, you you mull that, and I'll and I'll just share you know okay. an, another helpful, you know, hopeful counterpoint, which is we were at the UN last summer, and and, and you may have seen this in the press. They they've started pioneering VR. So just like a float tank is a relatively crude way to create an, a moment of ecstasy outside myself, because I literally don't know where I you know begin and end. Then VR is another moment of ecstasy. I'm stepping out outside of my physical self into this world, and they've been doing, you know, um, basically humanitarian immersive VR, and they were looking, they were having people sit and view uh, refugee camps in Syria and being able to explore and move around and integrate, and, and their empathy and their connection to those experiences and the connection to other people's sensations and feelings all have gone up.
1: Mm, okay.
0: So, so my sense is, you know, back to technology is—I mean, it's—I hate the cliche, technology is neutral, you know. But what we will be doing is, we're going to be amplifying the human condition as we move into these more virtual worlds. I don't think there are going to be fixes. We're going to create tons of new, complicated problems, and we're also going to create some additional solutions. The question is, which ones weigh, win in the balance? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the vision I have in the future is like, you know, cities full of people sitting inside on their virtual reality and the streets are empty you know? yeah. and, and and you're going to, you know, you're going to have an Uber or, or a robot deliver your meal and nobody's going to actually participate in the real world. I guess it's good for the environment. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, we're, we're going to run out of those, you know, precious metals that that run the batteries and, and, and run run all the laptops and screens. I mean, I definitely think that like the iPhone hunch. You know, what Amy Cuddy at Harvard and, you yeah. know calls that posture we all have, right. like that move, like us with our heads bent and our hand in front of us as we walk and navigate life. That is going to be as telltale a signature. Of this decade, as bell bottoms and handlebar mustaches, you know, <laughs> where, where the sixties and seventies, like, because it, it, clearly it's going to contact lenses, it's going to glasses, it's going to whatever else it's going to be. It won't be that. Like, this is such a kludgy middle middle ground, right. and yet it's just it's just the way we are these days. So, to to your point, is like, will we just voluntarily jack ourselves in? You know, um, Neil Postman, who was at NYU, he was a, he was a sort of literature critic and social commentator, and he said. He said, you know, in George Orwell, there, you know, the two great dystopian novels of the 20th century, 1984 and Brave New World. He said, well, look, George Orwell feared that, that our fears will imprison us. Mm-hmm. And and Alice Huxley feared that our pleasures will imprison us. Mm-hmm. And so totalitarian states, real and present danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but elective compulsive distraction.
1: Mm-hmm. Same.
0: F- feels as much as anything else, and so we, we talk about that. We say, that, you know, because we you know we we make the case. We say, hey, look, we we wanted we wanted to track all this movement down. We want to see who was engaging and and hacking non-ordinary states of consciousness for performance gains. And, and it was it was everyone from special operations community to folks like Google to this incre- you know, to Richard Branson on Necker Island, to this kind of amazing global network of, of incredibly um, inspired influential people. I mean literally name checking everyone from Elon Musk to you know to, to all these folks. And you think, wow, this is fascinating. No one's necessarily talking about it. Um, the research is increasingly pronounced on the performance gains. And whether it's flow, whether it's meditation, whether it's psychedelic research, they're all congruent in the benefits, the healing trauma, increasing creativity, learning and all these other benefits. You're like, wow, this is really monumental. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but um, this is not unicorns and rainbows. Mm -hmm. Um, These states have always been closely guarded, fiercely contested. Mm -hmm. And there's there's at least three ways that we can put it in the ditch, which is, you know, the first and obvious is hedonism. Mm -hmm. If it feels good, do it. If it feels really good, don't ever stop. Right. So our own wayward tendencies and the other two is commercialization and militarization, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, and how yeah. do we well, prevent, both of
1: which it? are already fairly prevalent,
0: extremely prevalent. Yeah. And, and without putting on a tinfoil hat, you can just kind of document and just say, these, these are, this is actually what's been going on. Yeah. And these are the skills. We talked um, you know, about
1: the, um, some of the military applications in terms of um, remote viewing. And, you no, know, you have to be in a flow state to remote view. It's just by by its very nature, you're tapping into and you're using aspects of your mind that are non-ordinary. And then Mm -hmm. uh, telekinesis and, you know, the the Russians were successful in breaking a spine, you know, using telekinesis. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, I know. So you know, one of the things that we talk about is the power. So really, what we're getting here at here is the power of the human mind is little understood, and what you've alluded to is it's been kind of bottled up in spiritual traditions like, you know, Tibetan, you know, Mahamudra or Zen or you know, and and the, the
0: martial traditions, culture. you know, martial monks traditions monks monks and martial yeah, um, seem to be the two.
1: Right, and and that's where I've had my experience both in both of those traditions through yoga and through through the martial arts and some incredible, really cool peak experiences and also a developmental process. And what I want to, the thought I had before that I wanted to bring out here is that um, the, uh, in particular, the ancient yoga tradition was very, um, struck a very cautionary tone about having a guide and also having a progressive process for developing the the whole mind and the skills of the whole mind, and they they warned quite emphatically against uh-huh. being too attached to some of the skills that you evolve or you develop in these altered yes. states, and because they they tend to really sidetrack you. And uh, one of my yoga teachers, a guy named Gary Krasko, uh I recently finished a five hundred hour training with him, and he said, you know, what? One of the things with he said the mind is like a mirror. You know, it's going to you know, the the meditation clarifies your thinking. It clarifies the mirror of your mind, which allows you to both see more clearly inside as well as project more clearly what you're seeing on the outside. So if you can visualize or you can access flow, then you can project that into a performance state or you can, you can accomplish something powerful that you see on the inner domain and believe. He goes, however, uh, if you are an asshole when you start <laughs> meditating... And you meditate for 20 years, you're going to be a much bigger asshole unless yeah. you also do other things that help evolve your consciousness, help evolve your character, help, you know, develop humility, right? And you an exactly. attachment to some of these more egoic things. And so I think there are some dangers involved, aren't there? You know?
0: they, they, are, they are substantial and unavoidable. I mean, a lot, a lot of like the hermetic traditions, kind of the Western yogas, you know, they, you know one of their, their maxims was make haste slowly.
1: Yes, I love that.
0: You know, and, and, and the Chinese, you know, the the Taoist would say, you know, it's a path best never begun. But if begun <laughs> must be completed. Must be completed. You know. Turn, well, turning true. around. That goes on the back highway. to what I
1: said earlier. Once you wake up, then you know, it's part of your daily drive to continue that growth. You can't go back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, I mean that's
0: literally that's that's the last chapter of our book. That's how it ends. So, so the last section of the book is to say, okay, we've established the cases, we've made. You know, why now? Because of these intersection intersecting trends that are happening. Right. Um, but so what? And right. and really, the so what is you know? Uh, I don't know if you've come across Tim Wu. He's a he's the law professor at Columbia who coined the term net neutrality, which is obviously sadly back in the news cycle again. Um, but he also wrote a book a few years ago called The Master Switch, and he made a case that. Any information technology from telegraph to radio to TV, film, to the Internet starts out utopian and democratic. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks it's going to change everything. And they end up hegemonically centrally controlled. And we make the case in the book that being able to hack or access ecstasis on demand, which is pretty much available these days, Mm -hmm. um, is now a perceptual information technology. Hmm right we use it to access higher levels of cognition insight uh, and and information it's big data for our minds and and so if that were true you know if you're willing to make that leap then we should presume that the very same dynamics we've seen repeated time and time again with all other you know practices will happen again and that's the his the idea is who controls the master switch Mm. for the platform interesting right and and sort of it's he who controls the spice controls the universe he who controls the switch (laughs) controls it all right and so so our last chapter is is about the cautions
1: and 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 if, if we're if we're all enmeshed and connected to a neural network as a global hive and then the and then the artificial intelligence takes over the code then they'll control the switch Ah, uh, uh, You just, you just <laughs> slipped down a rabbit hole there, didn't you? <laughs> didn't <I? laughs> All right, sorry. Let me bring it back. I, I've been—you know—I yeah, just don't like, know how many conversations you've had with your readers and how far
0: along this particular this particular trend we are. But yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I won't go there. It, you know, I—I I, I don't know why. Maybe it's the whole last 90 days with the election cycle and everything, I've been, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Peter Diamandis. He's a, you know, a friend and, and, um, and you know, his work with technology has just really opened my mind about where we're going in the next 30 years. And so that's why this yes. conversation to me, let me throw this out to me. The One of the urgent drives for me with my training with Unbeatable Mind is to get people to realize the vast potential that they all have, that everyone has, the vast potential of the mind, when we can train it to open up these altered states, and then, as, as I said earlier, to, to grow up, you know, clean up our, our emotional past, open up to our full intuitive power, and show up powerfully, and, and lock that in as a permanent stage of development, you know what I mean? An yes. In, an integral stage of development where we can make good decisions, and one of those decisions that we're going to have to make is how to navigate and dance with technology as it grows more and more complex and sophisticated and and maybe even become self-aware down the road. And rather than just blindly plugging in and losing our sense of self and what it means to be human and a lot of talk about, you know, the human race essentially on the verge of, you know, becoming a new thing like homo sapien yeah. tech, you know, homo sapien AI, you know, if we can evolve ourselves quickly, then yes. we, can, we can kind of dance with that and, and keep pace with technology, you know what I mean, and, and make better decisions.
0: And we make that case. We're like, look, okay, there's slow and steady and there's fast and loose as far as like paths to waking up. Right. And, you know, the slow and steady is obviously exactly that. So why would you ever do anything else, right? Why would you take on any of the additional risks of these, you know, very fast but low success rate alternate options, including ecstasy, right, with all, the, with all the known issues that we've, we've talked about. And my sense is it's, it's, it's two, two timeframes. One is just human developmental timeframe, right? The sooner we wake up in these bodies of ours with opposable thumbs and prefrontal cortices to deploy for the greatest good, um, the better. I mean, it was one thing if I suddenly switch on at 75 and I'm toothless in a rocking chair on the porch, that's nice, (laughs) you know, my grandkids might enjoy it, but I haven't, you know, like my arc, I'm, I'm out of my power band, you know? So waking up as soon as we can in these life's times because no matter what our, you know, metaphysical beliefs are, you know, when we flatline, it's a cold reboot on all that information. More or less, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so the idea of waking up sooner to do more f- faster is one potential argument. Sure. And then the other is time frame globally. Right. And obviously, and we, and, you know, there's been, you know, everybody who said the end is nigh, you know, walking around with sandwich boards has, has been wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, up till now. And the question is hmm, how interesting are these times we're living in? And how close to true novelty are we getting? And so, if either of those two questions of timing, it's important for me to access my full potential as soon as possible, and the world may need me now, those would be the reasons I think that that can validate or justify hey, I'm willing to walk a a tighter edge, a a knife ridge to get to the summit.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah. Dance, and dance with some of those risks. And so, so you're providing people um, full disclosure you know, on the benefits and the risks as well as some of the tools. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now, and it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine, or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com that's dot com and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R. That's UNBEATABLEMIND15R to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one. You won't be disappointed with Qualia. Now, because we've gone off way, way, way into the ethereal and metaphysical, let's bring it back down to the ground for... For the listeners and let's talk about like for some folks who still maybe not a hundred percent sure what flow feels like uh you Mm -hmm. you talk about four different kind of uh four four different aspects i should say of Mm -hmm. flow yeah selflessness timelessness uh worthlessness richness richness. Yeah. yeah so let's talk about those what what are that what are those like for an individual in flow those sure. Problems.
0: Well, you know, I mean, there's both the psychological, what does it feel like to me? And then there's kind of the neurobiological, what's happening under the hood, right? right? right. But if you, if you use that as a helpful acronym to describe all of these non-ordinary states, stir. Right. The first is selflessness. Mm-hmm. And that happens when um, because we shift states through whatever mechanism we do, uh, meditation, action, sports, uh, a pharmacological intervention, smart tech, you name it. And, and, and literally like super smart tech where you like magnetic pulses go across your brain and just kind of knock out the waking self. Either way, my prefrontal cortex, which houses my executive function, who I think I am, all those things of things goes offline. And my inner critic tends to go with it. So I experience inside my head silence. That's the selflessness. Mm -hmm. Timelessness tends to happen, again, because different parts of my brain are activating and deactivating. Time is technically calculated all over my brain. It's a bunch of different little nodes all pinging each other and coming up with an average. So when you knock out a couple of those nodes, your ability to calculate time actively goes down. Mm -hmm. And then we also tend to have a lot of performance-enhancing neurochems coursing through our brain so norepinephrine just good old-fashioned adrenaline dopamine like the reward chemical like yeah i just served to solve the crossword puzzle or i just got laid right so reward yes endorphins right internal um opioids that basically basically create a sense of euphoria and lessen pain all these things are happening and so i am perceived my inner critic and my filters are knocked out my pattern recognition is and attention is jacked way up and i'm paying my basically my frame rate increases i'm paying more attention to more of the bitstream, or more of the data that's around me than i typically do and 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 that has a that has an impact of giving us the perception that the faster everything's going the slower time feels as well Uh so i don't have an inner narrator and time appears to stretch and this is true for any athlete any anyone in combat anyone who's experienced that of time dilation right is a known it's a known subjective phenomenon and you have those two experiences. No inner critic. I'm, I'm effortlessly doing this thing, thing, and, and, and I've got all the time I need. That creates this feeling of effortlessness. All those neurochemicals are high reward. Like, do this more. You're, you're right in the money spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a sense of, um, and it's not always just sort of skipping, skipping down the garden path. Um, in the sense of that kind of effortlessness, Mm -hmm. but it is, I know what to do next. I know what must be done and I can execute it. So the, the, the gap between thinking and doing collapses to almost nothing. Mm -hmm. And there can also depending, and this is, you know, depending on cultural interpretations and and your mechanisms and everything else, um, a sense of not my will, but thy will, a sense of being picked up on a swell of intention or motion or, or, or direction that's bigger than me or not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so you take those three the selflessness the timelessness and the effortlessness and those are how we typically experience it but the overwhelming piece which we alluded to earlier is the richness
1: mm, yeah i love that and,
0: and and that the the fact that we in some respects i mean these are just working concepts and I, we're really reluctant to like reify or codify these right. because then they just become another ism <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? yeah. but, but what i would experience a little bit whole,
1: differently by everybody you
0: know yeah, exactly. And so let's preserve that, you know, um, but you know, what we would call sort of almost like the, the, the cosmic browser. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're just surfing the information layer.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. And you can make patterns and connections. You can experience insight. And so we would basically say done right. Um, information becomes inspiration. Mm-hmm becomes integration becomes transformation. Right. I like that. Right. so if you can go up you can, and, and, and that information, at least, at least in my lived experience and, 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 and it seems like, you know, a number of other folks, it, it's a twofold thing. You know, on the one hand, it is, it's like that old Zen thing. You're perfect as you are. Right. Says mm-hmm. said so, so, so the teacher. Right. So it, it gives us a sense of our wholeness, how everything is exactly as it needs to be. Um, there is nothing, nothing else to shift or do like the perfection of ourselves in this moment, mm-hmm. you know, and, we could use a little work, <laughs> and so invariably it variably, it, sh- it highlights. It's almost like running electricity through the circuit, and it shows every place in your circuitry that you're banged up, bruised, broken, out to lunch, kidding yourself, etc. And it's that dialectic between it's all good and we could use a little work. It feels like it's between those two banks that that's the path to hyper accelerated growth.
1: Nice, I love that. Very well said. So. Um... If someone is listening to this podcast and they're driving and they're like, hey, this sounds fascinating, and I've been wanting to do, you know, get into doing something, what are the, you know, but I don't have access to a float tank and I'm not going to go to the Peak Brain Institute for a week and, you know, hook myself up to, you know, electrodes. What are some of the most creative and simplest ways to, that any, and that every man, woman USA can, um, or wherever you are in the world, can uh, begin to, Train slash leverage technology, or you know, not even tech, high tech, but low tech to mm-hmm. to to do you know to do the flow genome thing. You know, yeah,
0: the well, I mean, we you know we, we we certainly do programs based on exactly this kind of stuff. We do them online and we do them in person. Uh, I would also say uh, that I think your work is some of the most comprehensive yeah. and and integrated and balanced of any we see out there. So for people out there in the world, you know, pick your sort of narrative or, or, or the story you like around your work and practice. Right. Um, and, and if you resonate with the, the code and the ethos and, and, and A, you always just wanted to see if you could. Concours, I mean, I, I said this, Mark, in our last call, you know, I'm, I'm holding a spot in my mind and heart for my son awesome. to join you. Right. As, as cool. soon as he is able. Yeah. And then and then, you know, on a, on a simpler level, we talked about this. I mean, it's not complicated. Right. And anybody that makes it complicated or anybody that says it's in a new, you know, it's in a little handy pill of vitamins that they happen to sell or whatever it's going to be um, is probably distracting you. Mm-hmm. You know, the simplest is, you know, sleep more. Right. Move often. Mm-hmm. You know, eat cleanly. Mm-hmm. Be grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, make love. Right. I mean, just and, and breathe. And, and that's not that's not packageable and that's not patent pending, but it is just central to the human experience as, as we can find. And so, you know, I would say respiration and dedicated conscious sexuality, just as far as us being human beings, yeah, that's cool. you know, are probably two of the most powerful, yeah. both alone and together. And we all have access to that. Yeah. And and beyond that, and I would add to um, that,
1: just some sort of practice of silence, sacred silence. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be any special form of meditation. You don't have to join a cult. You You just literally have to spend more time in silence, unconnected from the busyness of life. You know, so we can yeah and, and, and the natural
0: world right yeah. I mean they've done studies on I mean obviously this is where that's where I've always gone to yeah. to mend and be, and be inspired yeah. and and um, they've done interesting studies water water even more than rugged mountains and other stuff and and find it wherever you are mm-hmm. like some connection to nature is a good old fashioned human thing.
1: <laughs>
0: and, and, and we start that. So you can do that. Those are the bottoms up ones. Like, what can I do every day? What can I do around me? Mm-hmm. The tops down ones is how do I blow up? How do I blow out the pipes and give myself an incontrovertible sense of the suchness that may be? Mm-hmm. And, and, and all I can say to that is, you know, don't die wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, if you're still chasing that white whale, you know, go hunt him down. Uh, there, are, there are more ways today than ever to create incontrovertible experiences of ecstasy, of mm-hmm. stepping outside ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we go and live there. We can't. That's above the tree line. You know, that's in the, that's in the death zone. Mm-hmm. We come down and we live and do our work in the valleys. But if you're wondering, you know, and the combination between I've poked my head up above the clouds. Now, mm-hmm. when I get back down onto the, to the trail, I'm clear and confident in yeah. my direction. With new insights, and I get to and foster. have
1: got a trail marker to get back there. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so some of those experiences could be like you referenced Burning Man or an ayahuasca journey or Kokoro camp, right? Is a good example. Kikoro, I mean, Kokoro camp, camp would be a phenomenal like one, a
0: nine day Vipassana retreat, an right. ultra marathon. Right. Absolutely. Right. There are so many ways to push the limits of who we think we are and what we think we can do right. and, and go do them. And, you know, have a, have a, once we talk about hedonic calendaring, mm-hmm. which is the idea of how do you balance my daily practice with some of these more shoot the moon mm-hmm. things and and we talk about your daily practices your once a week sort of sabbath practices your once a month mm-hmm. seasonal and annual and you can basically sort of balance left and right-hand paths. And, you know, for, for, for listeners that aren't familiar with those terms, right-hand paths is kind of the orthodox, mm-hmm. straight ahead, thou shalt, thou shalt nots, right? And the left-hand paths are typically the more risky sex, drugs, rock and roll, tantra mm-hmm. kind of paths, which is basically like it's all good, like yeah. everything is workable. Right. And, you know, they're, they're very powerful paths, but they're also very tricky right. And to, to, for all the reasons you said earlier, right? As you, as you go down them, you can get deluded and lose your way. Mm-hmm. So hedonic calendaring is basically saying – Pick the the daily ones. You want to create rituals and habits Mm -hmm. that are helping you build your foundation. You want to do those as often as possible. You really can't floss too much or stretch too much or meditate too much within reason, right? Mm -hmm. just the more the merrier. And then the other ones, you're saying, these are really fun. And these are little spikes to bigger and bigger spikes. And I put them in those categories to ensure I don't do them too much. I love that.
1: That, right. that, just, that that syncs up like one hundred percent with uh, Unbeatable Mind, where we have a five mountain training plan. So, you uh-huh. know, we, and we seek to train ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, intuitively, and spiritually. Those are the five mountains, and we have yeah. a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and then twelve to eighteen month, you uh-huh. know, uh, battle rhythm we call it. And so, of course, like the twenty X challenges, like a coral camp or the vipassana. I did a, a six day silent retreat as one of my challenges last year. Those uh-huh. are done annually. But then every quarter, you know, there's something that you're going to do that's going to take you out of your comfort zone significantly. And, you know, and then every month there's a smaller version of that. So it's the same, very similar. And I've never, never heard the term heat on a calendar, but I like that
0: yeah and then we also throw in because this is the this is the key otherwise like if we didn't have this last step it would just be calendar you know yeah, putting cool. your left hand stuff on the on the calendar cool yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna trip up trick ourselves we're gonna become into codependent we'll enable each other we'll do all the normal shit people do so have a season of forbearance have a lent or a yom kippur or yeah. ramadan like one month cold turkey Fast none of my pleasures And then the practice is how do I notice what's itchy, what's sticky, and also – and the idea of, like, cultivating altered states as a tool for growth, the only reason they're valuable is because they're altered. If I'm always high, drunk, zenned out, sexed up, right, you know, adrenaline jacked from crazy, you know, dangerous pursuits, if I'm always those things, I've lost all the contrast in the data feed. Mm, So we want to balance them and then – after the, after the abstinence, you're like, okay, what was sticky? And instead of getting wrapped around guilt, should I or shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Right? Just as things are heating up and actually starting to, you know, the alchemy is just starting to happen, you just say, just left or right. Mm-hmm. Do I make this more often or less often? So it provides it with a steer in the thick of it when you, you know, it's basically like shooting compass bearings in a whiteout. How do I make sure I can navigate when all my landmarks have gone away?
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wow well we could keep going and going and going but um we've already been at this for for about an hour so i think people you're going to break this into two podcasts or or they're getting a little bit bored so we'll uh, we'll save something for next time and maybe i'll see awesome. you maybe i'll see you on eden when the, when you work with the summit kind of folks next uh, next week that would, that would be a lot of fun we should try to do that fun. yeah so your book is uh, the, the the website for your book and you told me earlier was stealingfirebook.com
0: stealingfirebook.com we're also do, we're inviting the first 500 folks to join to become to become pyros the same way lady gaga has her little monsters we're gonna have our big pyros people who want to spread the fire spread spread the story this is this is about cognitive literacy yeah. knowing how our minds work and who else is seeking permission or not to get inside them and cognitive liberty our right to choose who we are and what we what we do
1: Sweet. Awesome. So go to stealingfirebook.com and get on the list, be one of the first 500. Uh, I'm going to go do that myself because right awesome. I want to be a pyro and um, people can learn more about you at Flow Genome Project. Just Google it, right? And, or yep. what's the best place to find out more about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Flowgenomeproject.com and there's a free flow profile, a big diagnostic that lets you know how you get into flow Perfect. and the best ways for you to tune that in your life.
1: Awesome. Jamie great work I can't wait for the book to come out February 12th and I'm excited to read it myself and I look forward to having you know this conversation multiple times and doing some work with you guys and and it's really it's definitely extremely important and timely and you know so let let me know and let us know here how we can support you
0: thanks Mark really really appreciate it
1: appreciate it Jamie Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets. The bright-swinging frogman, of the U-D-T. Oh, oh, oh.